and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cheers, queers. What's on the big gay agenda today, Theora? It's getting hot in here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Heartstopper episode 205, heat. <laughs> yes. And uh, before we get into this episode... Uh, just quick uh, announcements real quick that will uh, might be in every episode now we'll see I'm gonna get try and get this through this as long as long as possible <laughs> buckle in <laughs> as short as possible all right so if you are listening to this episode make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can leave a review because I actually don't know if you can leave a review anywhere else but I if you can it. please do it um, if you are watching on YouTube, please like this video, comment your thoughts below, and click that share button, because apparently you only have to click share, you don't have to actually share it. But you that's know, fascinating. let's just let's just try it. Cause I saw it think that's how it works with TikTok. So just see if it happens. Uh to help even more people see our content. That's what that's for. Um Thank you. you can also join our Patreon where you can get full reaction videos and ad-free episodes. All of these things will help us to continue making more content. Please help us out. Please. Pretty please. So yeah, and if, you for, if you for some reason follow us on TikTok, can you just comment on like one video? Because like nobody comments on our videos and TikTok like has been suppressing our shit. Yes. So, at Thinking Energy Pod on literally every social media. All of the things. Yeah. Just go go interact with us because it makes us happy and you know, we will respond. We will. For sure. So be our friend is what we're saying. Be our friend. I've, be our friend. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> where I was going because that's literally just watched a show do that show yesterday. So okay. yes, that is what is in my head. Anyway, that's not why we're here. We're here to heat it up. Woo, woo, woo. And we're going to pick it right up where we left off in uh, whatever the last episode was called. Challenge. Challenge. Yes. <laughs> It's a uh, challenge to remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am challenged. <laughs> but please like and subscribe. <laughs> okay, so. Anyway, Nick, so what's going on? Nick is, uh, well, while Charlie's in the bathroom. Mm, um, freaking the fuck out. <laughs> yes. Nick is looking wistfully. Did I really write these words? Because sometimes. Did yeah, I really you write this? Not me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
I was like, way to steal my vocabulary. I love it. I've been reading Theor's words so long. Yay. I don't even remember writing this. Anyway, <laughs> Nick is looking wistfully at texts he sent his dad. His dad read his messages and has not responded to him because he's a dirtbag. He is. I hate that that is a continuous theme. Nick deserves better. He does. Everyone he does. deserves better. Uh, Nick feels super guilty for giving Charlie a hickey, but Charlie enjoyed it. <laughs> I love Nick's innocent, like, I didn't even know how to do that. <laughs> I just love that so much. Because, <laughs> like, he didn't know what he was doing. He's just like, let me kiss your neck. I've never done that before. Oh, Nick, you did a little too well, buddy. <laughs> it's okay. So that part is super cute and charming. But Charlie's first response is heartbreaking because he's like, don't worry. No one's going to know it was you. Like, I hate that that was Charlie's first response. And Charlie didn't even get to, like, revel in this thing that happened. It was just a don't worry, Nick. You'll be OK. Um, Poor Charlie. Will he, though? No. No. No one's okay. No. Heat. There's a, a lot lot happens in this episode and in the next few, but let's uh go back to towel. Towel towel. Why does it sound like towels? Because <laughs> he's shirtless in the scene. Yeah, so, come but towel goes uh comes into the bathroom and notices the mark. And then gets pissed off with Nick. Okay. I thought this was super fun. Because again, Tao loves his friends loudly so that tracks but what happens in the book is even funnier so in the show Tao's like why do you have a bruise on your neck and then no one says anything and then Tao puts two and two together and it's like gay gay stuff happened how dare you Nick you did this to Charlie so he immediately just gets mad at Nick in the book okay so in the book on the Paris trip Tao doesn't know that Charlie and Nick are dating. Like, I'll get into that in another scene. But Char- so Tao doesn't know they're dating. So he sees the mark on on Charlie's neck, and he and he asks the same thing. He says, "Where'd you get that bruise from?" And Charlie goes, "I fell in the shower." And Tao's like, "Okay," and then he just leaves. <laughs> Which like you, nobody heard him fall in the shower, and he just like believes it, and he's like, "And it's just and like the one small spot on his neck, like that's." what in the shower it's like this tiny bruise so yeah so i think the book scene is really funny because this child just like believes it and he's like okay and he just like keeps he should have said that like he slept on his hand or something because i gave myself like i bruised my eye from like sleeping like this holy shit yeah don't fall asleep on your knuckle (laughs) no don't do any of that uh but then there's a knock on the door which tao answers also with his shirt off 100%. And who sees it? And uh, who is it? But of course it is Elle. And he (laughs) freaks out, much to the other's delight. Okay. Uh, Yes, this scene is priceless because I love Tao's reaction. His reaction is to cover himself with his hands. He's like, oh! And then in the background, Isaac is just like lurking, watching this with a smile on his face. I think it's fucking hilarious. Isaac's a professional lurker. He super is. And then so, of course, Tao just like shuts the door, doesn't say anything to Elle, and like freaks out. And then we get a second to everybody in the room. A second, help me from Tao. <laughs> Tao needs all the help he can get. Oh my god, but everybody's face does not look helpful. It's just like cheeky smirks around from like Isaac, Charlie, and Nick, and they're like, 
I think you just helped yourself. She saw you shirtless a minute ago. You're good, buddy. <laughs> I love Isaac's just like grit. He's just like always there for like the antics of everybody. I know. It's so great. He's a silent, the silent man, but he's just funny as fuck. I love it. Um, and the song that's playing from like the minute Charlie wakes up, um, that's kind of cut intermittently and comes back like after Tao's help me is the song uh nobody really cares by baby queen aka the write a song for jody comer song i love this fucking song and the song fits really well because it's about running out of fucks to give and just living your life as your authentic self which is very fitting for every person that is in this scene can you all just listen to the song and just do it so here are the lyrics i think that fit everybody who's having a crisis right now who would you be if there was nobody watching? How many parts of your identity are you squashing down? Does this not sound like everybody in this room? Just to toe the societal line. And why do people that you've never laid your eyes on define your taste, your weight, the way you dress? Do you even know the people you're trying to impress? Talk's cheap. It's okay to be scared. But listen up, because I've got a little secret to share. Nobody really cares. So that's kind of like the quintessential like high school coming into yourself kind of situation. And that's like Isaac trying to figure out his sexuality. Nick struggling with being out and being bisexual. Charlie with all his mental health stuff. Tao and his feelings for Elle. Like everybody needs to hear this and just be like, be yourself. Just be yourself. Because at the end of the day, nobody's really looking at you. Nobody really cares. Everybody's freaking out about themselves. So I, I love, I love. But that I feel like there kids. are like times where people care. Yeah, but at the end of the day, people are more worried about themselves, really, is what it is. And a lot of that, like, spewing of hate that happens is people projecting about themselves and how unhappy they are with their own lives. So, like, be confident. Exactly. Be confident. Live your life. Love yourself. You'll be happier for it at the end. You know what I love? Breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't love the way this breakfast goes down for Charlie, though. No, poor Charlie. All anyone wants to talk about is his hickey. And my favorite person that brings up the hickey is Harry because the it's ridiculous. So Harry, basically they're all at the table and Charlie's like in the middle of this table. And the hickey is on like the left side of his neck and the right side of his neck is facing like the food buffet. Harry comes in and crosses and he's looking at Charlie's right side and calls him out about the hickey the hickey is not in harry's line of sight so what is he calling out because he can't see the hickey and there's i'm pretty sure a mirror we can't see right there's a mirror we can't see is it already on the school social media i don't know but like <laughs> i love harry calls him out and i'm like harry you can't see the hickey what are you doing side note though while harry is being obnoxious and being like Woo, charlie um i feel like harry is genuinely like happy for charlie and he's almost like treating him the way he would treat one of the rugby lads if they woke up with a hickey like it's just like that's what these kind of guys do to each other however i think so i think that like charlie uh harry's not trying to be malicious by doing this i think he's like you're one of the guys woo good for you you got action but like charlie hates being the center of attention and like does not want to be one of the lads are treated that way so like harry just doesn't know how to act in front of people and like i feel like he's just been around the same people 
So he hasn't learned that there's different personalities and different ways to interact with people. He needs to be, he needs to go through some moves and uh, be the new kid in school a couple times and to teach him about it. He needs to learn diversity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so true. Uh, But while Harry is calling out Charlie across the breakfast buffet or whatever, we get the shot between like Nick and Charlie where Ben is staring there. So like clearly not everybody in this room knew about the hickey until Harry was like, wow, you got a hickey. And then Ben looks at them. And what I love about this is that Ben is sitting alone by himself and having his feelings because again, Ben doesn't have any real friends. That's like been emphasized a billion times in these episodes. But Charlie, after he hears that from Harry immediately, like again, he gets really small and he gets back into that dark mental space. And because unlike on the bus, when, when Isaac was sitting next to Charlie, when this happens, it's Nick and Nick notices immediately that Charlie's like demeanor has completely changed. It's very sad. He just, Still getting triggered, you know? He's going through a lot. He is. He's been through a lot. And this hickey thing's not helping. No. No. It's not helping him uh, eat his breakfast either. No. And Nick notices that Charlie isn't eating. And he sweetly packs a croissant to go for Charlie later. So fucking cute. And poor Charlie has to be back into his being outed phase because all anyone is doing is gossiping about this freaking hickey. And so, of course, they think it's James since he is the only other out gay. Because one gay plus one gay equals a hickey. That's how that works. That's just gay math. You know, he could have just been practicing with a straight boy. (laughs) Quote, unquote, a straight boy. (laughs) The key, though, is that poor Charlie, like, from breakfast to the bus, he's just very down, and he's got that, like, downward intense glance that he keeps doing anytime he's having, like, bad thoughts. So, like, off the bat, this is like, going to be a very bad mental day for Charlie. Um, And this time, when they get on the bus to go to the Louvre, this is when Ben purposely avoids Evogen and just... He's like, fuck it. And he just, like, embraces his loner self. I just... Okay, you know, they are... They're broken up at this point. Yeah, they're broken up at this point. But he, like, he doesn't even try to, like, reconcile nothing. No apologies, no nothing to her. He's just like, fuck it. He's just like, I'm just gonna avoid you and pretend like he didn't exist. Which is pretty fucked up because they were friends since childhood, according to Imogen. So, like, were they friends or were they just friendly? She used the word friends, but who knows, like. Maybe she just feels so lonely that she's like, I'll take anyone as my friend. Yeah, but like, I mean, same with Ben. So like that bridge has been burnt forever, basically, is what it seems like. You know, Uh, they they do need to separate. Like, it's okay. I agree. I agree. And now they're back out in Paris again without supervision. Of course. (laughs) Um, but no, they're they being have supervised. Super, they have supervision in the very beginning, but the teachers don't want to deal with them that long. So, uh, Charlie gets partnered up with James. Because- well, okay, so hold on. It's not just like we need to talk to you guys. This is like okay, we're here in Paris, and to fulfill the 
education requirement of you guys being here, we actually have to practice French. So I'm going to give you a worksheet and you're going to translate shit. And everybody's like, ugh. But it's like, listen, at the school sponsored event, you have to fucking do this. Just do it. You need a grade on something. Right. But of course you can't just like do it by yourself. They have to do everything in pairs. So now we're pairing everybody up. Because life is a team sport. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's a team sport. Get used to it. Uh, Charlie gets partnered up with James because, you know, the gays. Mm-hmm. Hickey rumors. <laughs> and Farouk is just like, I want drama. I, he's living for He it. does. So he does he want drama. Like he wants it. Like, he he's just like, I could, he could produce a reality show. Let's be he real. could. Like, he would, he'd be a hit. Um, and Nick so gets partnered up. up with Ben. Because of course course he does. does. Oh my god, they are. (laughs) Listen, that's like Farouk's default. He's like Nick plus Ben. Done. This is the first group you probably paired up. And then I used another big word that I don't usually use. Uh, Much to their shag... (laughs) I can't even say. Chagrin. (laughs) But Mr. Farouk doesn't give a rat's ass about what they want. Yeah, because Ben immediately... It's like, Ben, I'm surprised he even did this. Ben was like, I don't want to be paired up with Nick. But he says it out loud yeah. in front of everybody, which is kind of weird. Like, I don't give a rat's ass what you want. He calls him rude boy because he was rude to Evgen at the dinner. He's like, I don't give a fuck what you want, rude boy. Get with the big rugby idiot. <laughs> so Farouk um, is definitely seeing these people for what they are. Absolutely. So maybe he's like, this is a puppy dog and this is an evil ass dude. <laughs> Uh, Jesus, the puppy Caitlin. needs to <laughs> soften the Jesus, Caitlin. <laughs> Going hard. <laughs> there are no doubts about my feelings. I know. But Tara and Darcy are paired up together, so lesbians are fine. Yeah, okay. That one's my favorite. The lesbians are fine uh, for most of the time in this show, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah. Butterflies! Butterflies! So Elle can't help but stare at Tao, and the butterflies are going wild. They are. Let's, uh, okay. And so I knew shit was about to go down with Elle and Tao when the butterfly that is on Tao's clothing, because he's got a black shirt with green butterflies. And when she looks over at Tao, the exact same butterfly that is on his clothing in the exact same color flies across the screen. And I was like, that something big is going to happen because butterflies are their thing. He's wearing fucking butterflies and the exact same one flies across towards town. So there's that. Butterfly fly away. I also wanted to say that when, before we get to that gay, that not even gay staring, het staring that happens with them. We get a shot of Elle's worksheet of like what they're actually supposed to be doing. And actually this lesson for all the groaning the kids do is actually pretty practical because it asks questions I feel like these kids would use. How much does it cost? Yeah. How much does it cost? Where do I get a map of the city? There's one is my favorite. It's could you take my photo? (laughs) Which which Tao already knew that one because somebody asked him in the last episode. So it was like actually kind of like conversational things that they could have actually used on the trip so yeah, i they, appreciate... they should have given that on the first day <laughs> yeah i don't know why two days in we're doing this but i should have done that... this on the bus i know it's pretty dumb um but anyway i think it's actually helpful 
then from there, we do this pretty cool continuous shot of like everybody's like broken up into their pairs along this like lawn. And it's like this continuous shot that goes from like pair to pair. And they have their kind of discussions while they're working on the, the worksheet. After we go, so Tao and Ella first, and then we pan over to Sahar and Imogene. And I fucking love their. So first of all, the teachers paired them up because somebody can see the writing on the wall with these two. And their bantering is so fucking funny because neither of these bitches took French as a lesson. And so Imogen's trying to fill this worksheet out and she shows it to Sahar. And Sahar's like, I don't even take French. And I know this isn't correct. And Imogen's like, I don't take French either. And I'm like, why are they paired up together? Teachers, shouldn't you know who takes French and who doesn't and pair them up that way? But I want to know what Imogen wrote down. <laughs> Me too. I just want to know. Yeah, it's just... But I love their their banter. It's fucking hilarious. And that's all they, that happens with them, but they got paired up together. All I'm saying, hydrate for lesbian Jesus. Um, Isaac Ooh. tries to talk some sense into Harry. Oh my gosh, yeah. So Isaac gets paired up with Harry. I know, I love this one. And it's amazing. Oh my god, it's amazing. He's the most direct with Harry out of everyone. He's like, you need to stop being an asshole. Like, you need to, like, learn how to talk to people. Oh my god. I love that he's berating Harry while aggressively filling out the worksheet. So, like, Harry's just, like, lounging. Isaac is aggressively doing the assignment. He's like, you need, do you not understand that people have feelings, Harry? Do you ever, like, take other people's feelings, Harry? And Harry's just like, not saying <laughs> He's just staring at Isaac, who's, like, doing the assignment and chastising him. And I fucking love it. I think it's hilarious. Oh, I just love that, like, we get that side of Isaac. Like, Isaac could be he's outspoken. Pissed. But he just keeps he like he's like when I need to, I will say something. Like Tao, he supports his friends loudly. <laughs> so James is paired up with Charlie, like we said, and he poor James is so worried Isaac is going to think that the hickey was actually from him. And Charlie's mm-hmm. like, "Don't worry, yeah, just, he definitely <laughs> he won't think that." But then he's also like, was it Isaac? And Charlie's like, no. <laughs> Which is like classic kid code for like, I don't like you. I hope my crush knows that. Does my crush like you? And it's like, no. Um, so I love that Charlie's like reassuring him. He's like, don't worry, James. It wasn't Isaac. And Isaac knows you like him. Don't worry about it. Also, may I say the way the gays keep matching is crazy. Because James and Ch- Charlie are twinning when it comes to their shoes. And they're both wearing the converse high tops just charlie's got the yellow and then james has the black but like i love all the gays are matching. i like james's outfit me too i like that his jacket that like light yeah. green it's really pretty is that aqua or I maybe i, I can't really colors. tell <laughs> but i love it um darcy is still avoiding her feelings like the plague absolutely and tara gets so frustrated and upset she just lets it go Okay, so I think during this conversation, so Tara tries to bring it up, and then she's pretty forceful about it, where she's like, like, Darcy tries to, like, go off on a tangent about, like, well, Tao and Elle's date was kind of a disaster, and blah, 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 and Tara's like, that's not what I meant, and you know it, I, let's talk about the other day at Truem, don't you remember that? And Darcy, like, straight up panics, like, silently as Tara's like doing this and so I think Darcy knows on some level that she can't avoid this topic forever with Tara um so instead of avoiding it this time she does what Charlie did the other day straight up lies to her she's like yeah I don't remember 
I don't remember. Um, and poor Tara just looks so fucking crushed at the end of this. And she's like clearly like trying to force a smile and be like, it's fine. We'll just do the assignment and forget about it. But I feel like it's getting harder to just like carry on. Like everything's fine with these two. And I think they're both aware of that. Everyone just needs to stop lying. Yeah. It's hard. Talking and feelings are hard, Caitlin. It is. It's hard. I have no experience with that shit, but I can say it. With (laughs) loudly. (laughs) I can give people advice. I just don't know actually what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) It sums me up. Give great relationship advice despite never being in one. I just watch a lot of TV. Anyway, Ben is projecting all of his issues onto Nick. It's uh, pretty huge. Mm-hmm. And blames Nick for ruining his life. Now, Ben, I think you did a pretty good job of that yourself. Uh, ben wants Charlie back, but he doesn't even deserve to be with a rock. I wrote oh this a God, while ago. <laughs> he kind of doesn't. But, like, okay, I love that Ben, I mean, it's this is classic Ben, right? Where he doesn't take responsibility for anything. So, of course, it's Nick's fault that both of his relationships, Charlie and Imogen, failed. Because, as we saw in the other episode, Ben does not believe he's at fault because he he can't be at fault. It's all Imogen's fault. It's on Charlie's fault. Well, actually, it's not Charlie's fault. Charlie is on a pedestal. It's Nick's fault because Nick broke them up. But Nick rightfully points out, he's like, listen, you dated Imogen for popularity points, <clears throat> for bearding, and... You didn't ever like Charlie. You just liked the control you had over Charlie. That's all you want. But Ben is really persistent on his bullshit. And he's like, Charlie didn't even give me a chance to figure my shit out. And then you came along and stole him from me. So that's how he views Nick. He's like, Nick stole Charlie. It was, I didn't lose Charlie because I was abusing him. I was just I was just trying to figure shit out. I was just trying to figure shit out. And like, Charlie didn't give me enough time and then you swooped in. It's all your fault. Like, again, it's it's Ben absolving himself of any responsibility. And Nick is very much like, I see the writing on the wall. Like, this is, you just wanted what you wanted from Charlie and you didn't even give a shit about Charlie's feelings. Like, he talks about Charlie like he's an object, not a person. Just pretty fucked up. I stand by my he doesn't even deserve to be with a rock. At I this agree. Point, he Rocks deserve better. A therapist. Yes. And from here, we're going to go to the Eiffel Tower, which I feel the need to tell you that yesterday I called, <laughs> I was trying to figure out the word for Eiffel Tower. And the first thing out of my head goes the Paris wheel. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Thinking of a Paris wheel. <laughs> it came out as Paris wheel. But the Eiffel Tower. All right, so I love that, of course, they don't get tickets for the lift, which Farouk points out. He's like, God fucking damn it. I got to go up these damn stairs and these damn kids. And so they're all like rushing to get up at their own various levels of rushing um, to get up these stairs. Like Charlie and Nick, like Nick is like dragging, drag running Charlie up these steps. So, but it's a fuckload of steps. So they get to the top and everybody like runs to the railing to like look and except Darcy. Darcy just like collapses immediately. And it's just like laying there catching her breath while a bunch of people, some are trying to like help her. Some are just like, whatever. She's just laying there. And then the teachers come by and the teacher's like, uh, absolutely not. We're not doing this. Get the fuck up. Um, <laughs> the so teachers did warn you guys to hydrate. The teachers did warn you guys to hydrate. So I'm going to hydrate. For lesbian Jesus right now. You always do that right after I take a drink. 
Yeah, my bad. But anyway, so this Darcy moment was ridiculous, but also fun. I love the teachers like, nope, absolutely not. We're not doing this. That would be me. That would definitely, I would have gotten yelled at for doing that. But meanwhile, the boys are on the edge of the Eiffel Tower. Not, not like, you know what I mean. Anyway, they uh, get a selfie for Olivia Coleman. She's gonna love it. I just love that her name's Olivia Coleman. It is. And a classmate who's like on the platform below them, yeah. see them, and of course he like he has to have the balls to ask Nick if the hickey was from. Yeah, he asked yeah. Nick. Just making sure I got the characters' names right. <laughs> if the hickey was from him, Nick gets a little bit of courage and asks, yes. "What if it was? You jealous?" and it makes charlie so unbelievably happy that hearts shoot out of his head i know (laughs) it's so cute because like here's charlie getting a little glimpse of like what it would be like to have boyfriend nick out in public in paris which is really what he wanted and harry actually tells them to stop and that they have their own problems isaac is powerful yeah, Isaac talked shit. At, he got into Harry's head. But I love the dude's response. At, like, the dude that, like, called out to Nick. And he's like, hey, Nick, was it you? His response to Nick being, like, jealous was like, I'm not gay. And then Harry is the one who's like, shut up. Like, after he says that, he's like, shut up. Come on. Leave him alone. Like, I love that. Harry is growing. And we love to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Harry growing seems really weird and nick and charlie are like this is weird that was weird um but i think the interaction gets into charlie's head kind of a little bit um because then he tries to like touch nick's hand instead they do a little like hand touch that's kind of secret um and then he's like hey you know we probably shouldn't hang out just like that was pretty gay what you just said, Nick. Like, what the fuck, <laughs> <Yeah>. man? <laughs> He's like, I am making you too gay in front of people. Right. I love it. But like, also, this isn't helping your whole <laughs> but not be out in public yet. Thing. I love that Charlie's you like, uh, people are going to assume it's you. And Nick's like, you do know that it was me, right? Oh, my God. I love that part. He's like, it, you know, it was me, right? So like, Nick, it's like, Nick is like constantly giving Charlie mixed signals about like the wanting to be out thing because he acts like they're out, you know what I mean, without saying it to people. So it, it was because moment. Charlie. Hmm? They have an electrifying moment. They do. As they should. Then Nick misses a call because he's too busy being gay from his dad yeah. and can't, uh, yeah, from his dad. And then he calls him right back and his dad can't even bother to answer. Yeah. No, it's like this whole thing is absolutely ridiculous because you see this shot of Nick's phone and it's like, dad called right now. So it's not like it was an old message that he's reading. Papa, you know, that's his dad. And yeah, the fact that Nick calls back immediately, it rings once and then goes to voicemail. Like, Oh, it rings once. Oh my God. He just ignored him. Yeah, he ignored it. Like actively ignored the call. That's even worse. I know. It's super fucked up. So it's that to me, I was like red flags with Nick's dad. Like, what the fuck is that behavior? 
Oh. It's worse. This is worse than an exo kitty when Mino called his mom or Mino's mom calls him and and he's like, hey, mom, what do you want to talk about? And she's like, I don't have time to talk to you. And it's like, mom, you <laughs> called me. What the fuck? <laughs> this was worse because dad tried to call. Nick calls back. Dad's like, oh, it's my son. Voicemail. I'm like, you just called me. And now suddenly you don't have time to talk to Nick. Like, it's been three seconds. What the hell? What changed in three seconds? So fucked up. It's so frustrating. <sighs> let's head back to the ground though because yeah I let's can't. get I off like the heights up here it's let's too get scary off the Tower. <laughs> let's get off the paris wheel so on the ground <laughs> on the ground okay i have to note the very first scene of like everybody kind of like hanging out is like the cutest thing like the whole friend group is together in this one shot you have like nick taking a selfie of uh james with darcy doing something with james's face and isaac's watching then in the middle you have l i think scrolling on her phone with sahara and tara and then like imogen's kind of with them a little bit so it's like charlie's friend group is like adopting the strays that's what i'm getting from this like sahar and like james and a little oh, bit the stray puppies i love it the power of paris i guess um tau tells charlie that he is the reason that charlie was outed last year and that is huge news and he was worried that charlie was going to hate him but is it actually big news because uh charlie didn't charlie already know uh in the books this one maybe that's why i'm getting this one down differently in the book so okay. yeah, it either way, it was an accident. Like basically what happened was either way, Tao and Isaac were talking about it and Tao loudly loves his friends and was talking loudly and somebody else overheard it and that's how it spread. So like Charlie did actually come out to him, to Tao and Isaac, like he chose to tell them. Then Isaac was having, a, then Tao was talking about it loudly with Isaac, people overheard. Because he loves loudly. Because he loves loudly, exactly. So- this all tracks. In the show, apparently Charlie didn't know that that's how it went down. And I mean, he immediately is like, Tao, that's not your fault. In the book, that is not how that went down. Charlie knew that this is how it spread. And there was bad blood between him and Tao because of this. And so because this is how it went down, when him and Nick were at, actually first started dating, Charlie hesitates for a really long time about telling Tao because he's like, I'm afraid that Tao's going to do the same thing and then Nick's going to get outed. So um, I I do like, I like the way they handled it in the show a lot better because it shows like the depth of Charlie and, and Tao's relationship and that it didn't have that extra drama to it. So I did like that, but like, that's kind of it's, it's it's funny he says that because like those lines because i'm like that's how it went out of the book charlie did hate him for this oh yeah but here charlie tells tao it was an accident and they have been friends since they were little and tao deserves love that that whole sentence doesn't make sense could you help me to code that um basically Basically, here's what happens. So they do a flashback of Tao, little Tao, little Charlie when they first met. And they bond over Radiohead, the band, which is very cute and adorable. And so Charlie basically is, after they kind of do that, Charlie's like, listen, you were the only person I even wanted to talk to that day. And he's basically like talking Tao up. And Tao gives the line that I love where he's like, are you guilt tripping me into liking myself? (laughs) 
And Charlie's like, you are a good person that deserves love. And that's when he like does the lock thing. Yeah. So you were just summarizing that really quickly. Got it. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Theor's better at my notes than I am. Charlie makes a lock for him and Tao. And it's, it's really cute friendship stuff because I believe like Tao is asking him if doesn't, I did not say the word lesbian, mom. (laughs) Why? When you say lesbian, I'm supposed to come in? what happened yesterday i'm sorry i know this is a side note but is this supposed to be watermelon yes it's good do you see this is it a yellow watermelon how is there a yellow watermelon i think that is a thing okay it's a type of watermelon sorry for the interruption that's a lot of watermelon that is and it was very weird just give it to me i also cannot eat nowhere near that amount I was just gonna say you can't even eat that. I'm okay. not even like supposed to be eating something that's not protein. Whatever. Anyway, uh, sorry guys. Uh, hope you like the detour. So the lock. Um. Anyway, so yeah, the lock thing. I think this is again another purposeful way that Alice is trying to. Or actually, this is for the show. I think uh, they're trying to show like again the power of friendships. Not and romantic loves aren't everything because like the lock basically is like a tradition thing you do in Paris. I forget what it dates back to, but basically it's like lovers put their initials on a lock and they like lock it i don't know to some bridge now it's like other places because they like collapse yeah. the bridge by doing this because of the weight but like it's a thing you do in paris to be like our love's unbreakable they wait they collapse the bridge i think where they first where people first originally started to do it there were so many people that did it that they collapsed whatever the structure was because there was too much weight on it so they had to like th- there's new regulations and how you do that now but it doesn't matter um but the message here that it says Charlie and Tao on it is that friendships are meaningful, if not more meaningful than romantic ones. Um, and I love they show this with a lock because no matter what will happen in their dating lives, Tao and Charlie's friendship is stronger and will outlive that because they've been friends since they were kids. It's still going strong. They still support each other. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, Alice is trying to drive home that it's like often like romantic love is the thing that's centered, but like platonic friendships can be more important sometimes than the romantic ones you know so i love that they're 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 showing how strong their friendship is with that lock thing before we go to the louvre yeah i have a few things to say about the paris wheel okay okay so uh the eiffel tower i looked into filming there so i don't have like the exact written down unfortunately because i was too uh Busy making sure we summarize the episode. But I believe there are, like, they can film at any time. They just are, like, separated slightly. I don't know if there's, like, two different sides of the Eiffel Tower or what. But one of the things that I learned that it might be common knowledge, but I didn't know it at the time, was you cannot take a photo of the Eiffel Tower at night. Because it, you can take a photo during the day and it's not copyright. But if you take it at night, it is copyrighted. Is that because of, like, the light installation yeah, or something? Yeah, the installation is what caused it to be copyright. And so now you have to get, like, explicit per- uh, permission. Mm. So, like, those movies, I believe, was it Spider-Man? I know um, Adam Sandler's movie film there, the mur- the mystery Murder Mystery 2 or something like that. I don't know. And they filmed in the middle of the night there, and they had to pay a lot because it was, Dang. like, nighttime as well. So... 
Oh, that's interesting. No wonder they keep showing it during the day during the show. Yeah, so if you see, they had to have gotten permission if you see the Eiffel Tower at night at all, anywhere. Fascinating. I think they did it in like, a, oh, Devil Wars Prada or whatever, probably when they went to like a fashion show in Paris. I think they did like the overshot at night with the the lights going crazy on it. I really mm-hmm. hate those lights. I think it's stupid. I don't really Eiffel remember that. Anywho. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because we were talking about in the reaction video how, like, they might have been doing it, like, early in the morning or, like, at the end of the day where people weren't there. But I somehow they can keep it separate. Yeah, I was just wondering. I wasn't wondering because there's no people. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they rented it out to film this because it's definitely on the Eiffel Tower. But it was just where the sun was positioned with Nick and Charlie up on the Eiffel Tower, like, I was like, the sun is actually pretty low. Like, it looks like it's just rising. So I was like, how early did they have to get up in the morning to come to the Eiffel Tower? Because, like, it seems like they're there at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. Like, stupidly early. Well, do you think Farouk wants to deal with children, more children and people? No, I know. I was just just trying to put a timeline together in my head. It It doesn't matter. But no, Farouk does not want to deal with people. So let's uh, wheel our way to the Louvre. <laughs> Did you learn anything about filming at the Louvre? Uh, no, but I know that they didn't film most of this at the Louvre. Interesting. They filmed it in London. Okay. Did they do a green? Um, I wonder if they did a green screen with that where Ellen Tower, where you could like see the iconic like. I think some of it might have been there, but they did like interior, other interior shots. Someone went to like places around London and like had a photo of it and like just put it like exactly where they were. Interesting. That is really cool. But I forget the museum's name, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um. My favorite, the first thing that uh, I, at least I noticed in the Louvre is that Darcy is not using proper museum etiquette. Of course not. And is so upset by the hype for the Mona Lisa. <laughs> She's like, that's it? And that, I that, feel like that is a common reaction, though, to people. I did, uh, like, I was, like, taught in high school that it was, like, in a box, kind of, and, like, very far away. You can't even get close to it. So I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, I didn't see it in person, but... Uh... I would have had the, the poor people need to teach Darcy about the real world. <laughs> I feel like Darcy's not paying attention. Some of this is on That's her. That's fair. You know? That is fair. Elle gets distracted by art and Tal gets distracted by Elle. True love. Yeah. And Nick is doing the straights work to get Elle and Tal back together. I love his conversation with Elle. I think it's so cute. They naturally like end up on the staircase looking up at like some of the like paintings on the ceiling. And I love the dialogue they have when they're doing that, where Nick says, I don't really think I understand any of the art, but it's nice to look at. And Elsa's, you don't have to understand it to enjoy it. And they kind of keep talking and the ending sentiment is what Nick says. He's like, it's like life. You don't have to understand your feelings completely to know that you like something. And I feel like anybody who's questioning Isaac needs to hear that because It's true. Like, I think we put a lot of stock on, like, defining things and labeling things and sorting things into boxes. But, like, at the end of the day, like, you don't have to understand shit or you don't even have to understand yourself to, like, enjoy your feelings, you know? I think it's a good lesson. I like that. I'm admiring the art right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've never been. I would like to go to the Louvre one day. So I, what I'm learning from all of this is that uh, your wife needs to take you to Paris. I mean, we were gonna go next year, but we're not gonna go now. Aww. Someday. Someday. Okay, no, not the time, Caitlin. Nope. We're gonna go to Ellen's Howl. Yep. And they happily go off on their own and run all over, which also seems uh, like against museum etiquette. Um, the amount of children that are just running around unsupervised in this museum, in this priceless museum is really unsettling. Like, I feel like, wouldn't they have gone over this in the Paris meeting? Remember when they all went to Truem? And that's they when were they were too like, focused on their roommates. They, that was the they first thing they did. Roommates. The first thing they did was pick roommates. But was what was the rest of the meeting? Did they not say, hey, no running in the Louvre? Like, I feel like that had to have been said at least once by Mr. Farouk. And nobody has listened. There's so much They had to have, like, talked about food or something right before it then. And, like, everyone was just distracted by food. That, that's, that's in my head. That's what happened. That's terrible. But, yeah, there's way too much running in this museum to be okay. And unfortunately, Nick and Charlie run into Ben while they see him. And Charlie looks visibly smaller when he is around. And this poor kid. Yeah, he's like, this is like Charlie Trigger Day. Like, it started off bad. Charlie Trigger Day is Charlie Trigger Week. But like, it's particularly bad this day. Like, before breakfast, during breakfast, on the bus, and here we are in the Louvre, and he's getting triggered again. And when Ben walks away, Nick tells Charlie what happened earlier um, when it was just uh, Ben and Nick having a conversation. And he's like, yeah, so he still, like, wants to get back with you. And Charlie, like, is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, there's no way in hell. And cue the Taylor Swift song. We are never, ever, ever getting back, back together. together. So Charlie should just send Ben that song on Instagram. And maybe he'd get it, but, you know, whatever. Um, But what I find interesting about this conversation is that Nick looks like, when Charlie says it, Nick looks relieved to hear this. Like, I wonder if a part of him was kind of, like, worried Charlie might still kind of have feelings for Ben on some level, even though, like, Ben was obviously terrible. But it's kind of the same thing where, like, that irrational fear where, like, Charlie was like, oh, I'm so jealous of Tara because she liked Nick, even though that was never going to happen. I think that this was like, Nick had the same feeling towards Ben a little bit based on his reaction here. I mean, because Ben has a history of just like taking what he wants. Totally. Yeah. But just master manipulator. And Charlie's clearly not okay. Like, yeah. No, poor Charlie is going through it today. And this is when you see his head start to become fuzzy and there's like white on the sides Mm -hmm. of the screen. Um, and I'm yeah. assuming it's because he hasn't eaten. It absolutely is low blood sugar. That is 100% what is happening. And so it's kind of show that he has like t- his tunnel vision. He's getting tunnel vision. And also like the music and the sound starts distorting, which to me makes it sounds more powerful. So it's not just that like the vision sense, like all of Charlie's senses are getting like diminished. And uh, after Charlie starts having it like kind of shakes it off and follows Nick, we go over to Darcy and Tara. And Darcy's, like, back on her bullshit, and she's, like, posing in front of statues, like, strangely, while Tara's, like, making Tara laugh, and they're taking selfies. And as Tara's kind of taking this photo, using Darcy's phone, 
Darcy gets a text from her mom and Tara's like, oh, your mom texted you. And immediately Darcy's playful face is gone. It has left the Louvre and there's just like panic on her face and she grabs the phone from from Tara. As per usual, though, there is no context to any of this. So Tara's just like, okay. And Darcy just deals with it and then is like, let's go to the next statue and just like tries to keep going. I just want Darcy to be happy forever and ever and ever. I know. And she'll get there. And I think Tara does too. And and But she's, again, she's super frustrated by this. And so that's when she starts, you know, yeah, Tara Questioning asks Darcy. why she hasn't met T- Darcy's parents, and uh, basically she forces Darcy to listen to her concerns because yeah. Darcy needs yeah. to listen too. Yes, no, she does. Tara's like, I've never been to your house. Uh, I've never met your parents. Do you even have parents? Like, you know, she's like, I don't know anything like, about you. Who are you? <laughs> Correct. And I think that's what Darcy. I think that's what Darcy's hearing. She's like, Who am I? Like. Because, you know, as we know, she's like, it has a split life. She's one person at school and she's another person at home. And like Tara is like getting too close to home Darcy. And Darcy's like, no, 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 no. This can't happen because you're not going to love me. And who would love me? My parents don't even love me. Like it just, she's like, she's like panicking is what it is. I don't, I just, mm, justice for Darcy. Yeah, Get and her so out she of that like, home. Olivia she Coleman like tries her. to start. She tries to start like making excuses here, and and to Tara's credit, she's like, "I'm done." She's like, "No," she's like, "You know, that's in, like the I love you" thing comes back up again. And Darcy's like, "Well, you were just it was casual. You didn't really mean it." And and Tara's like, "You know that I do. Like, you know that I do." And I and the way Darcy's face just kind of like falls. Like, I think this was where it really sinks in for her that like. The shit with Tara is real and like she's gonna have to do something about this because like she really can't run forever from it. Like Tara is being very real with her and Darcy is just like it's very clear to her that she just she doesn't know what to do with this like at all. That's a heavy stuff man. It, sh- it sure is. And things are about to get heavier. Yeah. yeah especially for Nick. I was uh, because Charlie passes out. Uh, but luckily Nick is there to catch him, which is why it's heavier for him. Yeah. And what I love about the the way this happens, it's the same in the co- in the graphic novel, too. I think that, like, Charlie gets, like, the white on the edges of the of the frame. Like, he gets tunnel vision. And all he can see is Nick. Um. And all the sounds start distorting again before he, like, falls. I like the way they shot it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it it was very clear of what they were trying to do. Yeah, exactly. And from there, we jump to Tao and Elle. Uh, Tao has butterflies on his shirt, so obviously something is going to happen with him and Elle. And, um, oh, it sure does. Uh, thank you, uh, Theora. Theora always points out the butterflies for me, so I just want to make sure that everyone knows that that line was only because Theora told me that before. Um <laughs> Elle shuts Tao up by kissing him and then promptly freaks out. As one does. <laughs> Tao goes after her, though, instead of just standing there, and kisses her again. Uh-huh. Relief and love wash over them, even if they don't know what they are doing. But now we get huge butterflies. Oh my god. A Talk about a metaphor. <laughs> a swarm. I love it. 
I love that this is their first kiss because they are both in their element. Like the way it leads up is just the cutest. So they're just kind of alone in this room and they're like looking out the window at like the iconic kind of like the glass pyramids on the Louvre. And they're just looking. And Elle is just so inspired by how beautiful this place is that she's like, I really want to draw right now. And Tao's like, you should do it. I love watching you draw. And she starts drawing. And then he looks out the window at the same thing she was looking out. And he's like, huh, it would be amazing to film here. Like there's something so beautiful about this place. So I love that they're in this place and they both can appreciate the beauty of this, of the Louvre. And it inspires them to get in their own artsy kind of moods. And that's when Elle's just like, yes, this is the towel that I love. And then she just kisses him while he's like planning a movie, basically. (laughs) Because this is everything their first date was missing. Because this is a mutual activity they both love. Yeah. Yeah. I could see um, Elle like doing the illustrations for a book and then towel making it into a movie. Like that's, oh that's going to be their future. Other element that I really love about their first kiss is the realism of it, because it's presumably their first time kissing anybody, like both of them. And so I love Tao's like, I don't know how to do this. And I was like, yeah, me neither. Did they really because not kiss before? I, I like, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming because they're both admitting, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, okay. but they're just acting on how they feel. Right. Which goes back to Ellen Nick's conversation where Nick's like, where they're basically like, you don't have to know everything to like know how to act on your feelings, basically. And that's what they're doing. But yes, more of this. Because I am so fucking tired of American high school crap that just portray teenagers as being romantically and sexually experienced people when they're like 15. And like, that's not reality. And that's not the case for so many people. And so at that age, like it works like this, where you're just trying to figure out how to talk to your crush and you're Googling how to ask somebody out. And then you're trying to figure out how to kiss them as you're kissing them. And nobody knows what they're doing, but you both like each other. So it doesn't matter. So I love that this was portrayed in such a freaking realistic way. Like their whole thing from start to finish with like the first awkward date, just all of it. Like this is exactly what like, your first crush in high school is like it's not like it's it's often portrayed in american tv shows which no, is no american so tv shows are uh 0 to 100 really quickly yeah but like it's like in no way shape or form do these two people who have never dated anybody ever before act like this what we're watching on screen like in america it's so unrealistic this is what it's actually like and i i like the realism here it's ridiculous but back with the teachers, um, he, thank you for the screenshot. Uh, I love what they're doing. They're really doing exactly what Kara and Darcy were doing. That's what they're doing. And so like the art teacher coaxes Mr. Farouk into like posing, like posing like the painting. And it's, it's cute. Like he's getting Farouk to like loosen up and open up. And it's very cute. And th- but they of course, keep bonding until they are told that Charlie passed out. Yeah, this With is like teenagers the adult, running all over the place again. Yeah, but this is like the adult interrupt the adult version of the interruptions where like the kids are trying to kiss and like somebody interrupts, but like they're just like low key flirting, and then the kids are like, "There's a medical emergency," and like the teacher's gotta go. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, there is a lot of running in this museum. Oh my god, there's so much fucking running in this priceless museum. It's ridiculous. 
You would think they'd have, like, sides, no running. If they did it before, they definitely do now. (laughs) You'd think there'd be guards in the museum who are like, stop running. I mean, it happens with Charlie and Nick later, but, like, it doesn't happen with anybody else who's running in this museum. It's just wild. Um... Okay, and then I have to tell you a story. Okay, so, like, basically, the messengers go to get the teachers, and then they go to run back to Nick and Charlie. So, like, we cut over to Nick and Charlie and, like, Darcy and somebody else. And Charlie's coming, too. And he's like, what happened? And Nick is telling him, like, you passed out. And Darcy says, but don't worry, your boyfriend caught you. Which, also, like, guys, you're in a public place. They're not out. Why oh, my would God, you I didn't even catch that. Yeah, why would you do that? But I have to tell you how this went down in the book because it's even, it's funnier the way Darcy did this. So so basically she's like, in the book, she's like, well, at least your boyfriend caught you. I passed out one time and I fell in a pool. And Tara keeps this conversation going with Darcy, like in the background of the, the, the frame in the graphic novel while like Charlie and Nick are having a serious conversation. And, and Darcy's like yeah well like I had a beanie and I couldn't see anything and Darcy's like why did you have a beanie on if you were at a pool party like it was like this it was like the most Darcy thing ever so like basically like she's at a pool party in summer with a beanie on her head and it slipped she couldn't see she fell in the pool but I love that Darcy's like why the fuck are you wearing a beanie it's the most Darcy thing ever. So, like, she's trying like, to relate to Charlie. Side conversations this... in the background. Though. Yeah, it was the side conversation that was happening. But, like, the most ridiculous scenario that she's like, don't worry, Charlie, I've been there. But it's like the scenario is so dumb. <laughs> I love it. Now that uh, Darcy is done being Darcy, I guess. I know, I love it. <laughs> Are you wearing a beanie at a pool party? <laughs> I love that line from Dara. It's so funny. But uh, it's time for a sandwich at the museum. Not to, it's it's a you know the prequel to Night at the Museum. Yeah, when dinner, they eat a sandwich. <laughs> uh, Mister, oh my god, I tried to get uh, Charlie to eat something basically because they're like that's probably why you passed out. So let's give you something. They don't know that that's why, but like they're no, just they do. The interesting part is that when, so the art teacher sitting down, or not sitting down, he's standing there talking to Nick, talking to Charlie, and Nick are sitting down at the table. And he says, he's trying, he's saying what happened. And then Charlie, interesting, admits out loud, he's like, I I didn't eat enough today. Like, he does say it to the teacher while Nick's sitting next to him. Then Mr. Farouk comes over, passes him a baguette, I guess he got from a vending machine or something. I don't know. I want that sandwich. I don't know where he got it. And he's... <laughs> He slides it over to Charlie. I love that that's where you think it came from. Uh, No, like, they do have vending machines that sell stuff like that in, like, Italy and things like that. So it could have been. And so he slides it over to Charlie. And then Farouk, like, sits down. And, like, they, like, knuckle bump or something. And then literally five seconds later, the art teacher's like, let's go. Why did he sit there? They did so many takes that he was like, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm just gonna sorry. dab what I can. <laughs> These knees are not what they used to be, man. No, for real. And then Nick uh starts talking to him, and you can tell that Charlie has a lot of anxiety, and he just starts picking at his skin like under his sweater. So like oh, oh yeah. It's so and sad. before and before he gets into it, immediately Charlie's like, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Like his reflex is to just 
be like, I'm sorry for being for being broken, basically. And I love that Nick's like, no. And then he takes his hand under the table and he's like, no, like. I, I you have nothing to be sorry about, like, I just I want to understand what's going on with you. You know, mm-hmm. Um, but. So Charlie opens up saying that he doesn't eat all the time. So like he feels like he can control something because he doesn't feel like he's in control of a lot, which I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel like that, unfortunately. And Nick tells him to talk to him about stuff like this when it happens, because of course he really cares about him. And and then he pulls out the croissant that he brought for him instead oh God, of like the baguette. So, so like he's like, eat the croissant. I brought it for a reason. Uh, <laughs> and it's adorable that Charlie tries the croissant before the sandwich, even though he got the sandwich first. first. It's really cute. Um, what's interesting, too, about Charlie when he's talking about the eating disorder stuff is he's like, he's like, I have good days and I have bad days. And he's like, but on the bad days, I feel like I need to control it. Um, and by it being eating. And he says, I used to do that a lot last year. So again, it all comes back to that trauma from being outed and Charlie's having those feelings again. And so, because when he was outed, he was outed out of his control and his whole life was turned upside down out of his control. So like eating disorders happen a lot when people can't control bad things that are happening in their lives, but they're like, food is something I can control I'll control that as a way to like get my life back kind of thing. And that's exactly what Charlie is doing. And Charlie, I I can guarantee season three, we're going to get into his cheating disorder stuff because this is where his plot line was always headed. Um, Because when Alice wrote Solitaire, Charlie was in the depths of his eating disorder stuff when that book started. So like he was always going here Um, and Charlie develops a really unhealthy relationship with food. Um, but it's it's really stemming from the the PTSD of being outed against his like control. Um, and uh, I want to note too in this conversation, like when basically like before Nick pulls out the croissant, um, I'm pretty sure Nick almost says I love you in this scene. Because he's going on and on about how he wants to help Charlie. Like he's like, look, I'm not trying to change you. I'm not here to make you apologize like i'm your boyfriend i just want i'm going to be here for you and he says i'm your boyfriend charlie and i he trails off has this really sharp intake of breath and he's like like he caught himself before he said something he's like i really care about you i'm pretty sure he almost let that slip right in this scene i mean it's accurate so it absolutely is but i was like oh what you gonna say dick what you gonna say but now it's time for Charlie to find out that Nick is fluent in French. I learned that he does actually have a dad. He's very impressed. Not about the dad, about the French thing. <laughs> yeah, so they go to see the statues and like Nick takes the phone call from his dad because his dad finally fucking deigned to call him back. And he like turns away to like take this phone call. And Charlie is just like, your dad. And then he, Nick just starts going off in French and just his face, it's the happiest I've ever seen Charlie. He's just like, this is really hot. What the fuck? And I love that when it's over, Nick's like, do you like that I speak French? 
And Charles like, no, not at all. And Nick's, then Nick just is like, oh, you're into this. And he like leans head first into this. And he's like, mon amour. And he starts flirting with him in French. Um, but then, then, then they start like, he's like holding him. And I don't know what they're doing, but they're like toppling to the ground. And then the security guard is like, this is way too gay. You guys need to fucking stop this. <laughs> he's like, none of that in here. Get this gayness out of the statue center. So they run and away. Then, uh-huh. So they start running away. So they run the fuck away. Okay, but the running away in the scene is ridiculous because they run towards the guard and they like run towards him. They take the stairs next to this guard instead of like running out. Re- like they ran towards the man who was yelling at them. It was so weird. But they like full on run through this entire display, which like there's just so much running in the Louvre in this episode. It's crazy. But either way, I feel like Charlie should not be running after. No. <laughs> no, there's no way a baguette solved that. Like, he shouldn't be running for sure. And uh, I feel like the whole school should get kicked out of the loop for all the running they're doing here. <laughs> it's just so much. Yeah, um, there's a lot. I think there's more running in this than a rugby game. Uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so basically, Nick is like starting to feel a little more brave is like i kind of want to introduce you to my dad and charlie's like all for it and he's like when does your dad want to meet and nick goes well he wants to meet 20 in 20 minutes at a cafe <laughs> like no like bitch you gotta leave 10 minutes ago what do you mean and they happily go off together to meet him holding hands because they are gay okay they don't just go together though they run holding hands which my wife pointed out that's a really ineffective way to run when you're holding somebody's hands because you can't pump your arms like you normally would so it's actually slower to to do that but they were just trying to be gay like you said yeah uh i have a side note uh that paris's subway system is fairly easy to learn and get around that's great uh more public transportation in the world please um i have a side note so when they run to the train platform the last, uh, I love the last couple of scenes, which is like them holding hands uh, on the subway platform and in the subway when they get like, uh, when they get onto the train itself. Because Charlie's face, Charlie's face, he looks so happy here. Like not as happy as when Nick was speaking French, but like really happy. And I think this is in this, this is the moment. I think this is the thing that Charlie wanted, right? Because they're holding hands in public. And they get on the train just holding hands. That's PDA in public. And Nick's happy and he doesn't even notice. So I think Charlie is getting a little taste of really what he really wanted Paris to be, which is I just get to be out with my boyfriend and everybody knows this is my boyfriend. And like, I think he's really happy because he gets that in this little teeny tiny scene. Like none of the schoolmates are looking at them. They're just existing together as boyfriends in Paris and no one's hiding and they don't have to hide it. And I just love that. I love Charlie. I think is the happiest I've seen him and like, on the subway platform. But uh, unless you have something, the have final scene. Side note, scene. Uh, side note do it. People, side, if, side uh, note. If you're going to take public transportation in Paris, uh, these two need to be careful because they have backpacks on. The pickpocketers are ridiculous oh, yeah. in Paris and like to the point where they will announce it on the overhead speakers like in the subway when they see someone doing it. So... Wow, that's wild. Yeah, you like you let you'll see a lot more people wear the backpack in front of them. Mm-hmm. There, that makes sense. But they don't okay. care. 
not to end this on pickpocketers because the last scene, okay, this scene confused me the first time I saw it. So they get on the subway, they get on the train and then the two trains like crisscross across the platform. And okay, when, and then, okay, so they're crisscrossing. And I thought the first time I watched this, cause this is where my brain goes. I'm like, is Ben going to be on the platform looking sad? Like that's what I thought was going to happen. I'm like, they're setting this up for like the killer to be like on the platform. The killer them. on the platform. <laughs> You know, like, it gave me vibes, like, mystery thriller vibes. And I was like, okay. And then Ben's not there. And then when I was rewatching it to make these notes, I found the birds. The birds show up. Um, The lovebirds from, like, uh, season one. That we were trying to figure out. They're on the train. So, like, Charlie and Nick are free. They're flying away with their love. And I think there's little leaves, too, coming down from them. Yeah. Oh, and they're, like, they're, they definitely made that because the leaves yeah. are oh, the yeah. same That's, leaves. That is hard. No, that is Heartstopper. That is not Paris. Sin. It says something in French, and I don't know what it says. I'm looking it up. I know you are. I can hear you typing. Sorry. That's okay. I don't know what it said. Oh, that might be an L, not a T. I think that's definitely an O. Their vole? Flies away. Aww. Because little babies are flying away to be on their own and be happy. Because leaves mean true selves. That's why they're all happy. Thank you for that little uh, gem. So, and that is heat. Was it hot enough for you? I mean, I think the hottest it got was Nick witnessing, I mean, Charlie witnessing Nick speak French because that was all that was going on in his brain. He's like, passing out today, worth it for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. So I will pass out every day to hear every him day. talk he to me speak like this. French. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, this episode, I mean, it, heavy would have been another name for this episode because the feels were pretty heavy for not just Nick and Charlie, but everybody. And I love that Tao and Elle finally got their shit together and got their giant butterflies like they deserve. Butterfly. Now, if you know that song, comment below. Because <laughs> you'll make my heart happy. You have to be around my age, though, because no one else is going to know that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a truth from Caitlin. So if you truthfully know that song, write it in the comments. Is the next uh, episode called Truth? Okay, Truth. Yes, it is. <laughs> like there's a reason <laughs> yeah so if you enjoyed this and want to keep going on the heartstopper journey with us join us next time for episode 206 truth or dare i dare and until you next time going. no we're not going until next time i got a bonus word oh 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 yes yeah, so now to keep you guys engaged and watch to the end of, or listen to the end of the episode Caitlin this has a dare for you <laughs> yeah i dare you <laughs> um to heat it up a little bit and your bonus for today is sardoodledum which is a word what? i saw a what? video of a kid getting this in a spelling bee and he was hilarious because he couldn't stop laughing trying to spell this word and so your challenge your dare challenge is a different is i dare you um yeah, your dare is to uh, spell it without looking it up in a review or the comments and use it in a sentence without looking up the meaning of sardoodledum. I sardoodledum you. 
He gives me like I triple dog dare you. I sardoodle dumb you. I spell sardoodle dumb. Oh my I don't gosh. know if I'm saying this word correctly. And if you already left a review and you are only listening to this uh, and you follow us on social media, or I mean, if you don't, you could still just tweet us. Or I mean, it's tweet. We're always going to be tweeted. Because um, are we really going to be Xing? Uh- <laughs> no. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, just yeah, uh, message us on, uh, send a tweet or whatever on social media as well. There's so many endless ways to talk to us. And we want to hear from you. That's the truth. Are you going to take it there? Until next time, hydrate for lesbian Jesus. Do all your dares. (laughs) And get it off. Get it up. And start doodle, dump it up all over the place. (laughs) Bye. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod. Or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus. <laughs>